You are listening to the LTN Book Club, a bi-weekly read-along podcast positioned at the intersection of nerd and literary culture. Our show is hosted by Madeline Turnipseed and is a proud member of the LTN Podcast Network. For more information on the show, the hosts, the books they're reading, and to subscribe, please visit lovethynerd.com slash book club. Hello and welcome to today's episode of the LTN Book Club podcast. Today we are talking about Scythe by Neil Schusterman. Content warnings for the book, language, violence, mass murder, suicide, self-harm, infanticide, abuse, and kidnapping. So if you're listening with us today, put on your armor. Um, The back of the book summary for Scythe. A world with no hunger, no disease, no war, and no misery. Humanity has conquered all those things and has even conquered death. Now, size are the only ones who can end life, and they are commanded to do so in order to keep the size of the population under control. Citra and Rowan are chosen to apprentice to a scythe, a role that, n- that neither wants. These teens must master the art of taking life, knowing that the consequence of failure could mean losing their own. This was published in 2017 by Simon & Schuster. It won uh, a Time Best YA Book of All Time award this year. Uh, It is the ALA Michael L. Prince Award Honor Book, an ALA YA LSA Best Fiction for Young Adults in the Top 10. It was a California Book Award finalist, a Florida Teens Read Master List on the Green Mountain Book Award Master List in Vermont. It was a Penn USA Literary Award finalist um, and a Golden Cowbell Book Award winner. So very, very well lauded. Um, Who all is with me tonight? Tell me about yourselves. I'm Katie Tejador. I'm John Campo Verde. I'm Joey Thurmond. And I am Matt Williams. Awesome. Thank you all for being here. I'm Madeline Turnipseed. Um, This book was suggested for our book club by John. Uh, John, why did you pick this book for us to read? Uh, so there are a couple of reasons. Uh, the first one is, um, so I've actually read the whole series, which our listeners will not be surprised. Um, and so after reading the whole series, I was sitting down trying to wrestle with the book um, and the series and just the, the discussion of, um, I guess I shouldn't, I shouldn't throw spoiler stuff in here yet. But so the discussion of just the, the world building and the setting different things that pop up in, in terms of like what he, the religion ish aspect of that as well. Um, which is kind of what I, I focus on in terms of like what I would want to do dissertation with. So I was like, well, you know, these are my friends who I talked to books with, about, talk with my books about. So I'm going to, I'm going to recommend we read it. It's worth reading. Um, and a lot of people, um, like Mike Perna and my students and just everyone, I basically said, Hey, I haven't read Scythe yet. They're like, you need to read it. Um, and so I was like, well, I finally got around to reading it and I loved it. And so instead of just telling y'all, Hey, read Scythe, I can say, Hey, let's, let's read Scythe and force you to, <laughs> uh, even though I know I, I suggested it and then the community voted it in. Um, I thought it would be a pretty, pretty easy shoe in since most people really like it. So, um, yeah, so that's, that's, that's why I wanted to share the love on that. Um, and I've got, people 
following in my footsteps to finish the series too. So I'm excited for the conversations to come on that as well. Nice. Thank you. Thank you for the suggestion. Yeah. Uh, I think this one won uh, the most votes for our community vote for our books for the season. So good suggestion. Um, at this point, we're going to go into uh, the spoiler zone. Uh, I will just mention before we go, um, one thing that we're doing new this year is uh, having community discussions before we record our podcast. Um, so last weekend in the arcade in September, we talked about um, Scythe with members of our community that wanted to join us. Um, and we hope that uh, you will be able to join us in future for community discussions of our books as well. Okay. Um now that we're past the spoiler zone or into the spoiler zone, um, our two main characters are uh, Citra and Rowan. Uh, tell me about these people and um, why why they were good people to learn about Scythehood and this world through. Well, one of the reasons why both of them are chosen is because neither one, like they both had a moral fiber that um scythe faraday recognized um like for example with rowan he sat with um the one of the football players as he was being gleaned even though they weren't friends or anything like that it was he just felt the need to show comfort and all of all of that um while the kid was being gleaned and um so it was it was kind of like a Faraday recognized that because they were not morbidly fascinated with death and they, they, they had both had a kind of a healthy sense of morality towards it. Um, he thought that they would make good sides and it's kind of interesting because both of them, both of their reactions to being chosen as apprentices are like, we don't want to do this. And he's like, and that's why you should. One thing they also have in common is that they don't show fear um, in front of the scythes, uh, and that's what—that's also what catches uh, Faraday's attention with them mm. both. Like, oh, you're not afraid to speak your mind and like run away. Like, you don't run away. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, and that also translates to their—they don't necessarily have a fear of death either mm-hmm. um like so um on top of not just rowan being able to sit next to the quarterback that he doesn't care about he also goes to the revival centers for his best friend uh, every time his best friend splats even though his family has stopped coming right and then citra <laughs> citra had no problem pushing a friend in front of a or pushing a, a bully in front of a moving bus she uh regina george uh was it a bus, a train? I don't a remember. Truck. It was truck, yeah. A truck, yeah. She Regina George, this character. And so, um, yeah, and so she has no... And she knew that they would be revived, and she, like... But she didn't have a problem. She had no moral compunction because the person deserved it. Um, we should say this was when she was, like, six yeah. or eight. Yeah. This was yeah, not yeah. She was like in a her small current child. life. <laughs> no, no, no. She was a very small child with very little impulse control. Um and but she didn't she had no she like and she carried no one knew that she did it everyone thought the girl tripped 
And so she just carried that circuit with her um, her entire life and until she be, was going through side training. Um, and like, wasn't necessarily 100% bothered by it, which kind of speaks to what Car- Citra's character could have become if it hadn't been for Faraday and then Curie. But that's a whole, that's a whole other conversation. Well, and that's also the the, next part. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's it's also one of the reasons why it's good that she ended up with Carrie instead of um, Goddard, because oh god, yeah. Uh, part of the thing, like the f- they're a little bit of foils to each other, uh, Rowan and Citra, in that Rowan is definitely more the sit back, take it in, ponder, and like he's the softer character in a way, like the more compassionate one in the beginning. Whereas Citra is definitely a, more the fiery. Um, oh no, we're just going to do this. This is what like, you know, we've got to get it done. A type personality. Um, so when they get split up and Rowan goes with Goddard, Goddard is definitely more, uh, he would have played to all the bad parts that Citra has. Whereas, um, the more abrasiveness actually ended up kind of rounding Rowan out a little bit, um, giving him a little more edge as opposed to um, Curie kind of softening Citra. So it would have ended very differently if Citra had gone with Goddard because she, like, based on characters, she definitely would have been more likely to... Uh, fall in line with Goddard's ideals, be a little bit more swayed. So uh, we've talked about a a couple of different names here. Um, Faraday is the scythe who takes on Rowan and Citra uh, to be his um, students uh, to learn under him. Um, And then uh, Faraday dies, maybe, doesn't die, um, and so and so the, the two the two uh, apprentices suicide. the two apprentices are then split up between um, Scythe Curie and Scythe Goddard at that point. Um, Matt, well, and what's interesting is that Goddard originally wanted to take both of them, right. but Curie stepped in and took Citra instead. Right. Um, Matt, will you give us a breakdown kind of of the personality differences between these three uh, senior scythes and what what kind of people <laughs> they are to be around? Well, Faraday, he's a very he's very old school mm-hmm. and very even keel in his in his temperament for the most part. Where Madame Curie. Um, She's also kind of even killed, but she has a bit more passion to her on, once you get to know her from beneath the service, um, as well as she being a, a living legend. She has to uh, you know, keep some of who she is and that passion under wraps uh, because of a, a little secret that of uh, a past uh, relationship that she had uh, with with Faraday, with Sai Faraday. Um, and then Goddard, well, I'm trying to think of words that I could say that is um, yeah. God, Goddard is not a good person. Um, he is very charismatic and uh, manipulative, 
He's able to draw people to him because of his his panache that he uh, parades around with. He's very flashy. He's got diamonds on his cloak, got diamonds on his cloak. Um, that is the only thing I did like about him. He wore blue, <laughs> which is my favorite color, and he had diamonds on that drum. Um, that's the only thing about him I like. He did have style. He <laughs> did have style. Um, but unfortunately, that style uh, was a, a mass murderer who gleefully enjoyed uh, and tried to convince others to embrace enjoyment of their duties as dealers of death. Um, and that's not, you know, that's not a, that's not a good thing. And to us as well as just to a lot of the people, a lot of the other sides, especially Curie and Faraday who taught compassion, um, and, and balance to how they decided to, to glean people when it was time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He definitely reminded me of kind of like a televangelist of death. Mm. Right, he has, or like a well, you know, like yes. that kind of personality of yes. like someone that you'd see on TVN, and he'd be like, "Embrace your future, you. I've come to kill you," kind of thing. You know, it's your lucky day because you're about to die. You have, yeah, been, you have been selected to be gleaned. He definitely Rejoice. had that, that vibe. Um, so, and then he had a cult he has following. The making, yes, he has the makings of a cult leader. One hundred percent, which is. <laughs> Ironic because there is already a cult in this world. <laughs> That's true. Uh, and, but it's a much more um, peaceful cult. Is it? Well, from what, <laughs> from, from what we see in book one. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Because, like, if we think about, okay, so, like, if we think about how religion works in this society, this is like what I'm here for. Okay. Um, the sides are a priesthood, right? They come and they they are a priesthood that worships death, mm. and the biggest their biggest sacrament is the dispensary of death to the populace. Um, and so you have two different cults within the priesthood: one of like uh, of like of time honored traditions for our religion, and the other one that's like new flashy, like <laughs> yeah. You know, we're going to raise our hands and worship kind of priests. But, hey, no. uh, and, They've got and, commandments. And, and dance in the aisle. Oh, yeah, they do have commandments that they have to follow. Um, like they have they have structure. They have rules. They have meetings. They have committees. They've got all <laughs> kinds of stuff. They have, a, yeah, a repentance issue. They have, you know, communal repentance, structured repentance. They have initiation rights. Like they've got some serious marks of a religion. Um, for a society with no religion, it's a very religion. <laughs> Even yeah, like it's the religion. It is the religion. Yeah. Like um, they wear their vestments when they go to dispense the sacrament, aka glean people slash murder them in the street. Like Madame Curie just walking up on people, being like, "You're dead," <laughs> or Goddard walking into um, a like food court and just mowing everybody down, um, except for Esme, that poor child. Uh, so yeah, it's, that's like, you know, that's just the first book and then it keeps going (laughs) and it gets even better. So yeah, I love it. It's great. But yeah, he's definitely a cult leader. And then you have the Thunderhead and the Tonists that kind of add some complexity to the situation too. Mm -hmm. Um, 
Joey, do you want to tell us about the Thunderhead and the Tonus since you haven't read book two yet and John will not be able to do it without spoiling? (laughs) (laughs) I've already spoiled something today without even trying. (laughs) (laughs) So the Thunderhead is this uh, self-learning AI that was put in charge of uh, the world uh, with all human knowledge like uh that it could access and it's pretty much the main reason why uh war ended why governments ended it uh it's almost everything is automated uh like on a um like societal management level by the uh thunderhead um and when it comes to the tonists they're this uh really interesting uh religious sect uh that i'm kind of trying to i don't know how i would define them exactly uh they're like these um these pilgrims that travel around the world um they kind of they don't accept the way things are like uh in, in the scythe world like people can you know turn the corner as it were and like reset their age but they don't do that uh they take a more like um a, na- a natural approach to life uh even though they could you know reap many of the benefits uh that have come about with uh, the thunderhead and like uh bio uh technology and stuff like that but um I feel like there's more to their beliefs that I'm leaving out. Uh, well, anyone else want to add to that? <laughs> the uh, they had the like the pursuit of I, I don't know. Like so, so one of the one of the scenes, um, Citra goes to a Tonus temple, and one of the main features there is this like tuning fork. So you can hit the tuning fork. The bident. <laughs> yep. The bident. Uh, so like it, it's a, it's a whole focused on like the I don't know purity of sound it felt like, um, and you know that's one of their big debates uh, is the note is it G sharp and A flat or the other way around. I mean it those w- are the same note. So in, okay, yeah, yeah, in yeah. Musical yeah. theory, no. those are the same note, just depending no. on what skill you're in. So it's, I just it's wanted more to make like sure that I wasn't switching the flat and the sharp. Yeah. I knew I knew that yeah. what, whichever one it was, it was the same. But yeah, so yeah. It, it's like this big, you know, theological debate. But the thing is, exactly, it's the same same note kind of thing. But what you call it and how you perceive it, kind of thing. So it it almost feels like a joke, but at the same time. Apparently they do debate on it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have thoughts. And they have the primordial ooze. So they have this like yeah. idea uh, since the since everyone has the nanites in their systems that eliminate disease, but they um, believe in natural death and keeping natural death. And so they're trying to keep an eye on like the illnesses of the world, right? Like that were have been eradicated. So they have this like basically their holy water is this culmination of like all the various diseases that have been eradicated that are swimming in this pond in this, in this, like in the back of their church, um, which is not like all kinds of primordial oozes, but yeah, no, but that's what they call it. 
Um, and so that's what this idea of returning back to nature, um, which is a, it's a big, it's a big theme in the book. The idea of man versus nature, technology versus nature, um, and how that plays out. So nobody can beat fire. But I, I've, I've got to say when, when the guy like, like the primordial ooze i just there was so much i just uh so much cringe i i I could feel my skin crawling it's like one of those things where it's like i know it's not there's nothing he's not gonna get sick and it's not technically gonna hurt him at all but the grossness level i can't deal with it well and so um the thunderhead is called the thunderhead because it evolved out of the cloud Mm. sure right um and so just, just uh, it's like, it's the, if the cloud became sentient, that's what the Thunderhead is. Um, so that's why. And then the Thunderhead is the focus of the second book, and the Tonists are the focus of the third book. So, because the that third book is the sense. toll. Yeah. Um, so I was so, thinking like a paid toll, not a toll no, no, as no, in a like, sound Like tolling toll. of the bell. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, that, that makes, makes sense. sense now. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> so, Revelation. So if you want to know more about the Thunderhead and the Tonists, keep reading. Because it, and it's so good. And then, and then message me on Twitter and we'll talk about <laughs> it because I need, I need people to talk about this with, because I like, I have like stuff I want to say. I just don't have the time to say it. So Yeah. All right. Uh, so we've mentioned a lot about uh, the, the actors in this book, uh, but the the world itself um, is really intricately created uh, to pose a lot of really fascinating questions, um, both about what is right and wrong within this world, but also then within our own world as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so in the world of Scythe, uh, the characters live in what they call the age of immortality, that because there is no more... Um, disease there all accidents are prevented um people people's nanites turn on different chemicals to help keep them in working condition and then when you get to a certain age if you want you can have all your genetics turned back around to set you back 50 years physically if you wanted um they call it the age of immortality and if people aren't dying of natural causes or unnatural causes um we have continuous population growth. Uh, and so the way that the Thunderhead or the people who set up the Thunderhead uh, decided to control population is through the work of the sides uh, in this world. And it sets up a really interesting um, conversation between uh, Rowan and Faraday and then later between Rowan and Volta about um, sides being something that brings uh it's almost like a a reminder of of what it means to be human uh to many of the people because we are finite um and also that they they want death to be um almost a motivator um for many of the of the people that they interact with and they just don't see that very often in their world yeah, they even make Faraday even makes a point um, to take Rowan and Citra to a art gallery um, from the Age of Mortality, which is what they call the time before they kind of conquered death. 
And um, because he wanted to show them just all the emotions and all of the um, expressiveness of art before death went away, just to show, like, to, just to remind them how it feels to be mortal, like what, like give them that perspective um, rather than just keeping with the perspective that they had, which was, you know, don't really have to do anything important because I'm going to stay around for a very, very long time. Mm-hmm. It seemed like a lot of the, a lot of the, the issue um, that people had at least as far as their personal lives in this world, is that not having a death to look forward to or to motivate them, or uh, like we talked about in the arcade, give them a deadline, uh, just kind of made them just exist. Uh, Mm -hmm. They didn't seem to have a whole lot of purpose. Um, uh, Also during our arcade discussion, um, Bernie Conley uh, was kind enough to join us, and she shared a story about what happened to her at the beginning of the pandemic uh, and uh, how her experience um, with that paralleled a lot of what she read in Scythe. I mean, the, the, the whole book just reminded me of um, my favorite Queen song, um, which is from the Highlander um, uh, movie um, soundtrack, which is, you know, who wants to live forever. Mm-hmm. Um, so that song just always makes me tear up because um, I'm just thinking, you know, just how horrible the, the you know, not really having anything to, to live for, um, yeah. not having any, any, purpose i mean what do you do um i mean and that's um so like so 15 months ago i slammed the back of my head against the uh, kitchen tile um and um so and and had a, a brain injury and so um i mean it um, messed up like my ability to work. Um, I couldn't, I could not read. <laughs> this is actually only oh, the third yeah. book that I've read. And oh um, since then, um, just because of, of like, um, just the vision was hard and, and light sensitivity and, and tracking the lines and stuff. Um, and oh gosh, I love my job. Love, 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 or loved. Um, because now I'm just on a project basis and, and working maybe 10 hours a week instead of, you know, working much, much more than the 40 hours a week that I'm supposed to. Um, so the idea of not having a purpose is is terrifying. And and I've kind of been, you know, I'm just living that. So, so reading that is just really kind of, kind of hits home. I, I just can't imagine what it'd be like to to know that there's really no nothing that you can do that really has has meaning if you can't help anyone if there's no disease there's no you know I mean what do people do? 
How do you all feel about the issue of uh, doing population control through the work of the scythes as opposed to some other way? Is kind of necessary. Like the way they go about it, it like there's different levels of ethics to it. But I mean, the the thing is that like you have to have population control because there's only so much space, and because they're not going to space, (laughs) Mm -hmm. like they gave up on that. uh, You have to make sure there's room for people, like because eventually there's just there's just no more room. Like you just can't have people living forever and still having children constantly. It, you just you run out of space. And mm-hmm. again, so either you kill them in some way or another, or you send them off to a different planet. And since they decided against one, I mean, you have to do the other. Um, the other. The other option is setting a limit on the number of births allowed. Yes, yeah, but even then. Control. After after a little while, like because if you if you don't kill people, then that's still eventually it still grows into you still will have the problem just years and years down the road. Um, because if nobody is dying, you're still adding and adding and adding. Unlike population control, now it because so for example like with china and the one child policy like their population decreased because they still have people dying so mm-hmm. it's a it's a negative but if you're still if you only have like one child allowed but everybody keeps living it's still adding and adding and adding mm-hmm. so eventually you'd have you'd come run into the same wall essentially so well this is where you start implementing strategies like in the giver or the handmade tale where you have a class of citizens that are dedicated towards creating, like being child bears. Um, but that's a whole nother level of dystopia <laughs> that I just don't think would have happened in this world. Uh, Cause this is very much a uh, pseudo utopia. Mm-hmm. Um, well, uh, it was in the broken earth trilogy too. They had. Oh yeah. Breeder class. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but for me, like this book is the quintessential, like, humanism if we become god right mm-hmm. how does how does that how's that going to look right because we're immortal we're in control of life and death right all of these things we are masters of our world the disease doesn't hurt us anymore like we're good well we still and we still have to kill people so we decide who lives and dies and then you have but like we still can't erase what it is to be human in terms of our human natures and like the the way that power corrupts um, individuals which and is why so, you have people like cluttered <laughs> exactly and you have people who crave the power um you have people like not even goddard like goddard is a is a psychotic version mm. of this but like xenocrates right yeah like he does whatever he can to hold on to his like chief scythe of the north american whatever high blade the- of the <laughs> mid-american <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he's like he's the high priest of this of the americas so like he wants to be stay high priest of the americas and so he does whatever he can to do that which means pandering to goddard when he needs to because goddard kidnaps his biological child that he's not supposed to have had and is threatening to kill her so like you know and that the absolute power and the weakness of absolute power and how that in how that corrupts people and xenocrates flaunts his like 
golden robes with and like his like he flaunts his power um in ways that make faraday and kiri upset but not in like not in the new scythe kind of way where they're going through and doing mass killings and stuff like that but it's still not old scythe enough like you know the the abnegate abnegative abnegation level of like austerity that faraday and, and kiri like to bring to their cleanings and the way that they present themselves in public and stuff like that so well and it even shows just how much he wanted to keep his power when um after rowan kills goddard and the other disciples um xenocrates comes and is like trying to feel rowan out as far as like how much he has to give for rowan to not essentially rat him out yeah. Like, um, so he, he's it's trying the, to see politics for sure. Mm-hmm. That's why I feel like Xenocrates is more old school than new school. Xenocrates, oh, Xenocrates yeah. is more of these are the rules, but these ones don't apply to me. Mm-hmm. Whereas new school is these are the rules and I'm going to interpret them the way I want. Right. So. Definitely. Um, but he is definitely, Xenocrates is not above twisting the rules for his own bit, like for his mm-hmm. own benefit. Um, and he's the high blade. So he, and he's one of the seven or whatever. Um, so like he gets to interpret them however the heck he wants. Interesting enough, like loopholes and interpretations really is a major theme. Like, so you get the interpretations of like Goddard and Xenocrates and even how Curie and Faraday in- interpret the, uh, the commandments of the scythes. But then you have the Thunderhead that finds a whole loophole in its own rules <laughs> to kind of to communicate with Citra. So it's it's interesting to watch. Like it's definitely a, a commentary on political poli- like uh, political theory, maybe it. Uh, like how the, people play out politics, essentially. Yeah, like you're the, even the if the letter you, of law versus the spirit versus the interpretation. Yeah, exactly. How that, how like the laws that we write aren't necessarily the laws that we practice. Mm-hmm. And how that evolves with different people and their attitudes and their perspectives. And I mean, even even Citra's where she like punches Rowan and gets his blood on her ring when they finally uh, when she finally becomes a scythe. It's like. Really, that was not allowed, but it was plausible but deniability, so she got away with it. Like Yeah, exactly. Um and like it's so funny that the Thunderhead does that, right? Like it, we're talking about how it what it means to be human and what it means to navigate the systems that we create for ourselves, and here we have this sentient AI who does the exact same thing. Well, and um, it, and part of it is like that was the moment it really I think sunk in for me that it's a true AI because true AI mm-hmm. is essentially human in the sense of, as that it has like a con like a consciousness. Um, yeah. That's when you get into all the debates about what is human and all of that, all that fun stuff. Yeah. Um, and so <laughs> for, for the listener who might be in the spoiler zone, but hasn't really read the book, um, the Thunderhead has per, um, a set rules that are programmed into it. Um, one of which is no communication with the Scythedom because the people who set up the Thunderhead didn't want the Thunderhead to have any way to influence uh, life or death. Uh, or specifically besides, death. 
besides mm-hmm. generating the quota. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the scythe, the thunderhead looks at the statistics, pumps out a number for the scythe dumb to, uh, to how many people need to die, sends it to its intermediaries. So the thunderhead has a priesthood um, that goes and talks to the scythe, the scythe dumb, the priesthood of death, and tells them what it is. And then so they like have this weird thing going on. Um, and so um, what happens is that the Thunderhead, when Citra dies and is being revived, and because she is being revived, she's technically not Citra. So she's technically not uh, an, a Scythe apprentice right now. So he can technically, so the Thunderhead, they can definitely can technically talk to her. Um, and so he, they, they do that loophole. Sorry. The off, like, I don't know why I'm gendering the Thunderhead as a he, even though like it's a, a computer, uh, but so they um, find that loophole and go around it that way. But then as soon as Citra is revived fully, they, they can no longer talk to her. Um, and that also plays into how the, how the sides have to do their own research. They have to like sift through the raw data that the, that the Thunderhead normally just presents curated to its users. Um, so they have to do homework. I know they have to actually like Google search rather than just having the AI present them with the re- the answers that they know that they want, you know. So that's why they uh, Faraday made them study so they could learn how to actually do research. Versus just <laughs> play uh, Alexa, play dog party. <laughs> talked uh john talked about when citra was dead um that she was in a revival center before um her body was assembled enough to smash her consciousness back into it um in this world because of uh the nature of not being able to die um there's uh, there's a group of people um, who and it seems to be fairly common. Like at least everybody's probably done it once. Um, there's a, there's a pastime called splatting, uh, where people jump off a building and kill themselves um, for the rush of of dying, uh, even though they're brought to a revival center and immediately um, worked on to to come back. Um, so for serious splatters like Rowan's friend Tiger, uh, the goal is actually to see how many days you spend in the revival center. So essentially, like the longer you spend in the revival center, the bigger, uh, the greater the splat was. So like they they go from like just to see how many how high a building they can jump off or like how fast like they can fling themselves and all this other stuff just to see essentially how much they can decimate themselves and then be revived. Um, it becomes kind of like a sport for them. Because the only death that the Thunderhead can't revive aside, aside from scythe gleaming is fire. Mm-hmm. So as long as you don't burn your body, you can come back. 
which is why Rowan burns all Goddard and his sycophants because he's like, because they would have been revived even though he killed them. Um, so he just, he made sure to burn it all so that they couldn't. So this is also why the Tonists burn their dead. Yes. Because they want, they don't want to be revived. Uh, anything else from uh, Matt or Joey about the world? Since we haven't heard from y'all as much. Hmm. I don't think so. Uh, only that um, attachment is very different in this world uh, because of the, the extremely long lifespan. You've got families within families within families. Um, parents often don't care about their children. Um, reset their lifespan and then get new spouses and make new children and start all over again. Uh, so there's definitely a lack of true bonds and, and connection in this world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you see that with Tiger. Um, he splats one too many times, so his family just disown him. Um, that's in this book, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, because he, yeah. <laughs> he becomes a party uh, professional partier. Oh, yes. A professional partier, that's right. Then he shows up at Goddard's parties. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's right. okay. But before that, like, they made him a ward of the Thunderhead. Yes. So, yes. You know, yeah. They just, mm-hmm. they discarded Be- him. Because they got tired is, of paying for his medical bills. Right. Essentially. Right. Because you only get one revi- one free revival, and then you have to pay for the other ones. And his parents ran out of coupons for other revivals. <laughs> Basically. They sent him to the, the revival center that didn't have the good ice cream. <laughs> That's, that's actually a really... That's literally like what happens, though. <laughs> like, that's what he <laughs> says. Oh, my gosh. But it is interesting that that's, like, a big thing. And, like, the whole... Like, uh, they mention it with Tiger splatting, and uh, Citra mentions it with her getting revived. And then when she kills her younger brother, it's a, it's a big part of it is that she's talking about how he can get an ice cream and at the revival center when he wakes up. And it's just so funny because ice cream is, I don't know, it just feels, it's such an interesting treat to just have after you die. <laughs> like, I don't know. It was a very interesting choice, but. I mean, most, that's, that's one thing that you can't eat in the hospital usually is something, something yeah. soft and they'd probably start you out with jello first um, <laughs> and then, and then let you have ice cream, but we do feed it to people in hospitals nowadays. That's true. Yeah, so I guess going off of modern healthcare, they probably just continued that. Mm-hmm. Um, questions that we are left with at the end of this book. Um, the Thunderhead is the focus of book two. Um, so I'm sure this will be answered quite soon if we keep reading, uh, but what are the Thunderheads motivations and goals? <laughs> yeah. Cause you kind of see it like slightly interfering with Citra. And I mean, it even mentions that she's going to be a pivotal part of the future, even if she dies or if she doesn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you kind of get left with this, 
okay, but why do you care? Like, like what, what is it that you're seeing to the, so that you would interfere like this? Um, because obviously you aren't supposed to be interfering. So you must have seen something serious to be interfering or like, like it, it gives you that kind of sense of what is this? What's going through the Thunderhead's mind kind of thing. Right. Because it's, it's not allowed to interfere with any scythe matters, but that doesn't mean it has to approve of mm -hmm. everything that the scythes are doing. So uh, I think that's like the the goal of uh, getting involved with Citra, because like it's trying to yeah <laughs> start something, <laughs> uh, do what it can to uh, put its own two cents in, because like that maybe there are things it sees that it knows that could improve the world, but it can't do or say anything about it until. It makes uh, some kind of contact <laughs> with the sites. John so. is making that. I'm not going to spoil anything, please. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, my my biggest question at the end of this book uh, was: Is a good scythe something to be aspired to, um, or? Uh, should we should we we'd be looking past um, the existing uh, basically like the existing structure of of the world to see is it okay that that Rowan and Citra are learning from from the good and the bad in their apprenticeships for scythes and they're taking these lessons and saying okay this is how I see it as myself to be a good scythe um, but is that even something to be aspired to? Or should should we be looking past that? Like, why you're still killing people? We're still killing people. Is that something that we should find a good way to do, or is that something we should find a way to not do? Which John is making a face like this is the 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 focus of the next bits of the books. <laughs> um, but at the same time, it's it's weird for me to have that built up so much in a first book, only to tear it down later on. Just um, so I will say Faraday has a character arc um, that, that answers this question. So, um, which I think is, he's the perfect character to answer this question because he's basically devoted his life to being a good scythe. So mm -hmm. it's re it's really well done. So I would definitely recommend you go and go. I just, it, so. I just want to see the secret thunderhead space travel. Like, <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> John. <laughs> oh, it gets, it's, it gets wild, y'all. It gets so wild. Like, I just, I really, like, there's so many, there's, like, plot twists and surprise reveals and all these things, and I just want to talk to you about them all, but I can't, so. This, okay. this well, is going to be one of those ones that will do a little side. You'll side, have to do uh, a series episode. Yeah. So, once more than one of us has finished the series. <laughs> Right. Uh, Matt, do you have anything else to add? Uh, I, it's tough for me. Like I, I, reading this entire book, I kept going back and forth um, because I kept 
pulling myself into the equation and I can't because then that, that makes the equation completely different. Um, mm. As far as, you know, whether there is, there is such a thing as a good scythe or not. Um, uh, yeah. Because they, they, they obviously go to, trust me, go through great lengths to give you two extremely contrasting examples. So those become then your standards. But I'm trying to, you know, to look beyond the obvious two examples and, and actually at the entire system um, as a whole. And I, I would say you can have a good size and you can have terrible size, but the system itself is flawed. So um, there's, there's no pure, I would say you can have good, but not pure size because mm-hmm. it's a flawed system that they're all navigating within. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's, it's muddy and it's, it's in, uh, Population control is a triggering thing for me. So, yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah, you know, yeah. Uh, yeah. So that that it's 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 interesting um, because I, I look at it. I'm like, I can I understand Faraday's position. I understand Curie's position, and I see why someone bloodthirsty would want to follow Goddard. Like, I can I can mm-hmm. see all of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and unfortunately, some of my personal, uh, as I alluded to on, in the discussion, like some, some of my own personal thoughts as far as how I would, if I was pulled into that game, how I would play the game. Um, so that in red in self introspection, um, I, I liked it just because it kind of like made me look at myself a little bit more like how, if I'm, you know, I'm in this to survive, how would I play this game? Mm. Um and unfortunately, I wasn't thrilled about some of the ways I know I would play the game. <laughs> mm, yeah, that's there that's is one. a. Okay. I was going to say there is a part of me that definitely resonates with uh, the Dame of Death mm. mentality of who uh, Kiri is before in her younger years, right? Because she just like I feel like she had a guillotine in a suitcase. <laughs> yeah, that's she kind was of the, her she's the one who basically changed the world, right? She was she became a scythe right around the time when the world was transitioning into the Thunderhead's power, and she just went and killed all of the world leaders so that there would be no more resistance. And so, um, and like that was her method of gleaning, and it was considered legal because she was a scythe. And so, but is that right? You know, and like, but I can understand the idea of like the system needs to change. So I'm going to go and eliminate all the obstacles that are keeping it from changing. Even though like, I completely, I like, like, Oh my gosh, we can't condone the methods. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Um, But sometimes you, there are systems that you just look at and you're like, I wish I could just turn you over and make you better. My my brute strength. (laughs) Um, But that doesn't necessarily mean murder everybody. So well, and going, it, it deals with like the uh, like a classic question that comes up in a lot of uh, stories where, like, do you, is your only option to be like a part of the system to change it from within, or is it something that you should not even entertain that at all and just give all that you can to overthrow it in one fell swoop? Um, it's not an easy question to answer because 
uh, depending on like <laughs> the circumstances and um, the amount of authority and power you have, uh, you might be able to do a greater amount of good working within the system rather than not, uh, because that may accomplish less. But uh, it may be the opposite case, depending on who you are and like uh, what kind of um, what what you know about like uh, the system that you're working mm-hmm. in and like who you know, what influence you have. Um, yeah, it's a uh, it's a very complicated issue, and like I can see why uh, you have these uh, lawful good types like uh, Faraday, uh, because it's like the way they perceive the world is that like there really truly is no other way, and this is like the the best that we can do with it. But just because that's what they think doesn't mean mm-hmm. it's actually true. <laughs> um, and it requires like going going beyond what you think yeah. is impossible. <laughs> well, Remember when we gave our uh, on Saturday when we said you know who our uh, our patron hist- histrionic histrionics would be? Yeah, our patron yeah, historic. Yeah, Histor- yeah. Uh, I'm, I, I have to change mine because okay. in reality, even though in my mind, in my heart of hearts, I would want to be Megger Evers, mm-hmm. I would be more like size Nat Turner. Um, oh man. Yeah, uh, and just not last long because I'm, I'm, because I'm, I'm, burn hot, burn I'm killing, because I'm killing the masters. That's pretty much what it is. Mm-hmm. Well, and going off of what uh, Matt was saying before about, you know, uh, thinking about how one would approach being in that society, just that kind of introspection. That's really one of the things I enjoyed about the book was the fact that it does make you think and it does make you question how would I react to some of these situations? And I think one of the things that is really like really encourages the introspection is the fact that all scythes have to keep a public journal to uh, record their thoughts and kind of uh, work through, work through their thoughts and what, what, um, how they see their actions. And throughout the book, you get snippets of the journals from some of the sites and you can, you can see the differences of how like Curie ponders a situation and a moral question as opposed to Goddard, who really, he just uses his journal to practice his speeches. Um. (laughs) I think the journals are really what elevate Scythe to like such a high, uh, to such high praise, like for me, uh, because it, Shesterman like really uses these journals to, um, mm-hmm. as like a philosophical, uh, like grounding, uh, foundation to it, to think about like the, the society, the morality, religion of this world uh and like you get to you get to get into these characters minds and see where they're all coming from and after you read their stuff like it starts skinning you thinking like you know how would i you know uh deal with the situation that they're talking about or what do i think about their perspective on this lifedom or the thunderhead or gleaning Mm -hmm. like stuff like that um 
it brings like a richness, an inter, like a a personal richness to the story that, like a uh, otherwise, I'm all for encouraging introspection. I think that's one of the things that everybody Absolutely. needs to do more often. I think Just, we would all benefit from it. And so I was super happy that this it was a very it was a big aspect of this book. Just don't make me keep a paper journal because no. I <laughs> failed at every one of those I have started. No, I didn't you know, even necessarily need a journal. Is whack, like, I can just easily lie. Like, yeah. it's, it's extremely easy for me just to make something up that looks good and reads good. Well, <laughs> so that's that's the difference. It, well, yeah. yeah. That's um, exactly I'm, what I'm saying does. like encouraging introspection yeah. does not necessarily like in the book it is a journal because you know it's uh conducive to a written story uh-huh. but uh introspection doesn't have to be written down so like you can ponder these questions without anybody knowing you're pondering them but the encouragement of the pondering is what <laughs> i like <laughs> yeah makes sense mm-hmm. all right Anything else about the book before we make recommendations for what else people should read? Okay. All right. Uh, If you liked Scythe, um, there's, like we've talked about, there's two more books in the series in The Ark of a Scythe. Uh, Thunderhead is the second one, and The Toll is the third. Uh, Neil Schusterman has also wrote... Um, several other books as well if you like uh, his style Um, what other types of books would you all recommend Um, so a series that is similar to Scythe um, probably the series that I think is most similar to Scythe of the books that I've read is the Giver series by Lois Lowry this is a four book series Um, the Giver which is they they all serve as standalones but they're connected to the same world the Giver is a classic. It's I think it's a Newberry winner. Like it's it's well known. Um, Gathering Blue, The Messenger, and Sun, like S O N, are the four books in that series. Um, I loved all four of them. I read The Giver in junior high. Like it's good. So, um, and I still would revisit it now, and it would still teach me a lot about the world. So definitely would recommend those. Um, the Reckoner series by Brandon Sanderson is pretty good. It's it's very different. It's not set in a utopia like Scythe is, but uh, it's a, in a world where a number of like a lot of people have gotten superpowers, and you follow um, a kid who doesn't have superpowers and you kind of get uh you get to experience the it's essentially what would what would happen if a su- if superheroes were not heroic so if someone has superpowers but is someone who just craves power and how that would work and how society sh- would structure itself around that um i've heard this really described i've heard mm-hmm. this described as the boys but for a, a more general audience if you've that's seen, a, that's a fairly seen the good show description, on, actually. Is that on Amazon? Uh, if John, I think you're the trying to The boys is pop- on Amazon, yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah, and that, that's also like the plot of My Hero Academia. If you that's read true. Or watch anime, <laughs> you keep you keep mm-hmm. going. <laughs> I think I have like an unusual book suggestion 
I might recommend uh, C.S. Lewis's The Abolition of Man um, because it it has to do with, like, it's a very philosophical uh, book about, like, if we could, you know, like, eliminate death and disease, like, is that something that we should do or, like... uh, uh, how how would it impact the human race to have that kind? Like, if you, if who who would have like the control to um, decide like what goes? Uh, and I haven't read the book myself, but uh, Lewis puts that uh, perspective into practice with uh, that hideous strength, um, which is uh, the third book in his space trilogy. Um, but yeah, I think that's uh. All, all, all that comes to mind for me. <laughs> I do not read enough to give recommendations, so I know I'm, it's terrible, but I do not discover new things enough to give recommendations, I should say. <laughs> I read the recommendations of my awesome crew. Here in the LTM book club. Yeah, I don't I don't read a ton of YA, uh, so I don't have I don't really have personal recommendations here. Uh, so the Reckoners definitely talks about uh, the corrupting power of the corrupting power of power, right? So that was something that we investigated in Scythe. Um, the Red Queen is another series by it's a series by Victoria Aviard. Um, that I would recommend. It is uh, it investigates the question of uh, broken systems and working within the system versus working outside the system to change for change. Um, it's a war, it's a dystopia where a genetic mutation has led to two different types of blood. One is silver and one is red, and the silvers run the world because the silvers have superpowers. Um, and t- and it's assumed that you don't have superpowers unless you have silver blood until a red-blooded girl just develops superpowers and becomes the Red Queen, um, and then it kind of investigates this whole world um, through that. Um, so that is a series that I think would I would recommend. It's YA. It investigates the questions of broken systems, kind of like Scythe does, and the, the arc of a Scythe does. Um, so, yeah. All right. Um Everybody, tell me who you are and where we can find you on the internet. I'm Katie Tejador. You can find me on Twitter at K-R-R Tejador. That's T-E-J-E-D-O-R. I'm John Campoverde. You can find me on Twitter at J-Camp, C-A-M-P underscore over, O-V-E-R underscore day, or on Twitch at Alenshin, A-L-L-E-N-T-I-O-N. I'm Joey Thurmond, and you can find me on Twitter at SaveAsDoc, S-A-V-E-A-S-D-O-C. I am Matt Williams. You can find me on Facebook, uh, Twitch, and Twitter at RockinMrMagic. That's uh, on Twitter underscore RockinMrMagic. And I am Madeline Turnipseed, and you can find me on Twitter occasionally at mad underscore seed. Um, I also uh, write and edit along with uh, our other podcast members for uh, lovelinenerd.com. And you can find us in the Discord and Facebook communities there as well. 
Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, stay tuned in the LTN community and see what we're reading next. If you have thoughts on the books we're discussing that we might read on air or books that you like to suggest for us to read, you can drop me a line at Madeline, M-A-D-E-L-I-N-E, at lovethynerd.com. Be sure to check out all the podcasts in the Love Thy Nerd Podcast Network and also on LTN Radio. We have the pull list, humans of gaming, free play, church nerds, two words, something for everyone, I promise. Be sure to connect with us on all your social media platforms. Just search Love Thy Nerd or find links on our website, lovethynerd.com. This has been the LTN Book Club. Our show is hosted by Madeline Turnipseed and is a proud member of the LTN Podcast Network. For more information on the show, the hosts, the books they're reading, and to subscribe, please visit lovethynerd.com slash book club.